0: Good morning, everybody. Hey, sax. just give me one. I feel like I miss flowers. A musician, saxophone. Me, I want one. This is just one minute of a small. Come on, Robbie. Mimi, I missed flowers last time, and I'm still on Valentine mode. But see, Brenda is feeling me, man. Yeah, I hear all of you got flowers. I miss flowers. You even got chocolate? It's Michelle who got flowers. <laughs> there seems to be some flowers that were being given between Michelle and Keep. I don't know what was going on, but uh, that's what I'm hearing. But I did miss someone. Give us like a nice tune. John Legend in the house. Hey, guys, I appreciate it. That was beautiful. Thank you. I do feel Valentine Kidogo Apo. I'm still waiting for my actual Valentine. Hallelujah. In this side of the world of eternity, the Lord might be kind to me. Thank you, Brother Nick. Yani, thank you. Good morning again, Mavuno. Praise the Lord. Did you guys have a great week? Have we already apologized, Pastor <laughs> Jane? I believe I already have apologized uh, because I know she's really stressed us with this time. I think um, we shall try it. So the Lord is good. The Lord is kind. The Lord is merciful. He allows me to stand here before you guys this morning to deliver his word. I think it's such a privilege that the Lord allows anyone to be able to just share anything in front of one or two people. And it is just by God's mercy and grace. Amen? For our visitors, Karibuni Sana, did I see we had a visitor? We had several. Good job. Karibuni Sana, as I said, I'm Pastor Jade Gishuri, and I am honored to serve in this church, in this ministry, Mabuno South. By the grace of God, He empowers me, and by His mercy, I can do it. So we have been going through a series called Relation Slips. How to avoid sabotaging your... How to avoid sabotaging your... Relationships. And over the last two weeks, we looked at the five common mistakes people make when looking for a married partner. We say number one was trusting there. We learned that the heart is what? The heart is deceitful. Then number two, majoring on the minors. And we said the big thing about no majoring on the minors is that we talked about two things that that guy who gave money, uh, I forgot his name, was it Martin? Uh, was faith and values. What should you major in? The reason the wife could just say, it's so, okay, sir, give it all away. It's because they are probably have the same values and their faith is on the same trajectory. Number three, mistake we said, failing to consult wise mentors, uh, which we learned in Proverbs where there's no guidance, you're setting yourself up to to fail. And then number four, which Papa Days brought down last week, I mean, he said, I am the comedian, come on, who is the comedian? And now that he's taken over storytelling, today I'll be singing throughout my sermon. I'm just giving him compare now that he gave me. Did someone laugh today? Watch me this face. We cannot tune. Number four was dating in isolation. And Proverbs uh, told us that from friends, uh, truth comes from friends. Yeah? So we need to put ourselves in community. Yeah? Do you guys remember that? Papa shared that. And then he said the fifth mistake we make is ignoring good friends. It's not about a Spark, isn't it? It's ignoring good friends. I was saying, I was glad I didn't preach that one. Ignoring good friends. I shall not say more. Do you guys remember that part? <laughs> it's purity or a millennial. Yes, you've been ignoring good friends. That laughter knows it. We shall have one on one. We shall go through them. <laughs> good? So that's what the five mistakes we did last time. So if you missed any of those messages the last two Sundays, please check them on our online, um, we have a Mavuno South podcast. It's shared on our WhatsApp group, and if you're not on our WhatsApp group and you want to be in it, please see Pastor Jack at the back of Pastor Michelle, and you'll get the link. But Mavuno South has a podcast where the sermons are all going to be. So why do we make these common mistakes? Why is it even after hearing those five mistakes we make, that we we'll most likely still, the same people who are here in here, who are single, who still say, make the same mistakes. Or you still go and share with someone and then you'll be vala. You're still making the same mistakes. Remember we said this sermon is for everybody. Please do not check out. We said we are a believers, a body of believers. You live in a community. Whether you're seeking to be found or to find Whether you're not, but you're comfortable with where you are, whether you're married, whether you're separated or divorced, you do not live alone. You live in a community, there will be someone who will benefit from this message. Amen? So let's engage and um, take notes. Take the one that you feel is personally yours and the one you need to pass on. So I believe the key reason is because for generations we enter into marriage for wrong reasons. For generation, generation after generation, we keep entering into marriage for the wrong reasons. And I learned to talk when flip here. We do not understand the purpose of marriage. But before we get to the purpose of marriage, let's uh, talk about some wrong reasons that many people are getting married today. So before we reach to the reason why we get married, let's look at five reasons, five terrible reasons to get married, and then we'll look at three really good ones. So today's sermon is titled Five Terrible Reasons to Get Married and Three Really Good Reasons to Get Married. Sawa, you're with me? Gary, you're with me? Good stuff. So terrible reason number one, because everybody is doing it. Who knows that is true? Because everybody is doing it. The social pressure to get married often hits up as we grow older. I mean, this tinder swindler is not from anywhere else, but for pressure. May even have a friend who was nearly to need. And I know she's here today. I don't know if she gives me permission to give the story. Because it's her first time in Mavuno South. Welcome, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> the only place she didn't get to was to give money. But it's true, these people exist. Online dating is real, and it's not a bad thing. Let me just say, actually, online dating cannot be a bad thing because we're also living in a world where that's, we, we cannot you know, reach each other across borders. It's just that there needs to be some boundaries and some ways. There are people who have taken it, advantage of it. So this tingla, is tingla is not a person who does not exist. I don't know my friends nearly would have been starring there, but let's move on. So you remember when you left college and you were really excited when your first classmate got married. You were like, what a milestone. And then you kept on thinking, they're so young to be getting married. But slowly you started attending more weddings. That was one and you're all many. Maybe you're many all watching one friend get married. But before you know it, you're the one who's been the only one attending. Everyone else is attending with their partner. uh, And the years are going by. And you're just feeling the pressure rising and rising. Your age is not helping either, because as these weddings are happening, you're also getting, you're also getting what? I mean, the pressure is real. Who knows this hashtag, Valentine is coming? Me, i mean, I'm always like, this is nonsense. Hmm? Who is this abuser, Valentine is coming? But the other thing annoys me, Valentine is coming. Have you guys seen it? Eh? Where they're telling, where is your boyfriend? Where is your girlfriend? I mean, hello, leave us alone. And of course, the pressure builds up as the birthdays, of course, as I said, keep coming. So you find you're turning in your 30s, and guys got married in their 20s. Then you enter your 30s, you're getting nearly to your 40s, and the pressure is on. So as we continue to, weddings happen, also baby showers increase. So conversations, your friends turn to, like now I'm very excited. Mizola dropped her first tooth, hallelujah. I mean, I was having a bash by myself. I mean, really. So when you're a 1st mom, when you're young and all your friends, that's what they're talking about, you are like, uh, I have nothing to say. So everywhere you go, people are just talking about their babies. They're actually just, social media is just pictures of people posting their babies, their booze, and, you know, people they love, and what their child did, smile this way today, smile that way tomorrow. It's not a bad thing, but hello, social media can make you feel everyone in the world is engaged, married in a great relationship apart from you. Does anyone feel me? Social media is only what people want you to see, though. Nobody ever posts announcing that they are not engaged. Nobody puts a picture single and loving it. It's always about the other side of relationship. We only see one side of the story. And, of course, the other pressure that comes with it is the other side where we feel overwhelmed by feelings of what have I even accomplished in life? So as people get into relationships, you find them that they're saying we took a mortgage here, we have bought a farm here, and you find in a way you're wondering what have I accomplished in life? I don't know where the mi- mentality came from that it has to be done double, double, and the Lord cannot equip. But there is a pressure that is attached to that, or I'm so behind. I've had people say I'll have my grandkids when you know I'm I may not see my grandchildren. Or I thought, by this age, I'd own my own company. So you feel pressure, and then you decide, let me rush and just get married. The wrong reason for getting married, number one is what? And what is it? Because everybody is doing it. Number two, the second terrible reason to stop the family pressure. Does somebody feel that one? Like, long before social media, it was about you enter a family gathering, and everybody's like, so, when is your person showing up? Or you're being asked, are you alone? I mean, hello. Are you alone? It's one of the many single people dread, like, they dread that thing of going to family gatherings. You visit your fa- parents. Um, even parents start giving you ideas. Of course, if you're a lady and you're getting older, there are parents who, They love Jesus. But they will ask you, um, have you thought of having a child? I know, it's actually happening. Or you meet those distant relatives, and you can see them looking keenly at your fingers. People are greeting you, but they are watching your finger to see. Uh, is there anything? Or oh, your waistline? Hmm? One, oh, you if you have a pot. Like some of us. One, congratulations. I mean, the assumption that you must surely be at this stage of your life, it's real from family. You know? Then your younger siblings keep getting married. Keep expanding. Welcome, Jonathan. Keep expanding their family. And many single people have been driven to stress and panic and to feel there's something wrong with them because they are still because they are still single. And actually this pressure doesn't always happen in family gathering. Even in church. Even in church, we put pressure on each other. On when is it happening? Here's the thing, though. Even though your relatives probably mean well, and they do, that by itself is not a reason to get married. It's not a reason to get? You know, they won't be there when you're doing for better or worse. Half of them will not change for your wedding. They will not give you a shilling. But they're there being the one telling you, come on, Brenda. Bring this person home. Let me say, what you should probably do is just start having answers right now. Or when you're told, uh, when is your person coming? Or when are you getting married? I read somewhere one time, someone said, the right answer is then, when are you dying? (laughs) I'm serious. I read it somewhere. Like, this pressure, let's answer them. No, that's what you're not going to ask your old relative. (laughs) You can actually just say, I'm not going to discuss this now. Just find an answer before you get into those family meetings. That removes the the pressure on you. Agreed? It's really okay to have boundaries within your family. you know it's okay to have boundaries? It's okay to have boundaries within family members, within church, in your community. If you don't have boundaries that you communicate, you're free fall for everybody. So terrible reason number two? Terrible reason number three, to have a beautiful wedding. To have a beautiful wedding. We did Shik's, Pastor Shik's, Pastor Muluki's wedding. It was beautiful. It was just wonderful. We thank God that we have worked with them. We know it was not about the wedding. But it was a beautiful wedding. Some people get married because they always wanted to have a dream wedding. And the wedding shows that we have had, I used to watch them. Was it KTN? Hey, those wedding shows, you wait for them. There's other bridal. Somebody remember those ones? I mean, different couples each week trying to outdo each other with their most original wedding ideas, often at great cost. Let me tell you, just ask Pastor Angie to mentor you. Me, I was having pressure for her for our wedding. And she's like, Is the pastor going to be there? Is Nick going to show up? What is the problem? Is food okay? As guys are the ones who wanted the major. And she's like, I ain't doing that. So it's true, it's not about the wedding. So many couples take a lot more time and spend a lot more money preparing for their wedding day than preparing for their marriage. But while they are beautiful, and I agree, they are wonderful and fun. As I said, we had such a great time at uh, Pastor Sheik's wedding. It's the opposite. It's actually the opposite of a day. Like, it's not what is supposed to be the core of your marriage, the reason why you get married. Because the marriage is the rest of your life. Every day, 24-7, 365. Days in a year when you won't even feel like being married. Yeah? But then did you know one thing about marriage? One thing about marriage, I've done, because as you all know, relationship is my thing. I love to research. I like to grow in it. I feel there's much you can learn and share. One thing I've learned is that marriage is, is about having feelings. You actually will have feelings, but are not submitting to them but submitted to the Holy Spirit and doing the right things. Did you hear that? One of the big things, yes, you will not feel like it, but that's not the point of marriage. Anyway, that one I will just drop in there. It's one thing. You'll have feelings about it, but it's not about it. It's about submitting to the Holy Spirit, and then you do the right things. It's not about submitting to your feelings. That's one of the things about marriage. That many causes chaos that people do not understand. It is serious business. It is serious business. Your marriage will outlast your career. So ho- and then we spend so many years just preparing for it, training for your career. But none of us really spends as much time or investment or money investing in training for your marriage. In coaching spaces, in learning spaces on how to have a great marriage. When I started marriage conversation and even therapy and just being in spaces where I talk to young people about marriage, I used to just want to initially I was like, how do people survive marriage? But I'm like, now how do people thrive in marriage? Because you are meant to thrive. Me, the more I read, the more I find in the word of God, God meant it to thrive. Amen. Your marriages will thrive in Jesus' name. And they will thrive because you'll do the work. Amen. Amen. Now I've lost where I was. So if you're single, just tell yourself beautiful wedding does not mean a great it does not mean a great marriage. So getting married to have a beautiful wedding is a terrible reason to get married, number three. Oh yeah, number three. Number four, terrible reason to fix yourself. Many people have gotten married to fix themselves. Some people get married because they believe that if they get married, they will no longer be lonely or depressed or socially awkward or broke or unhappy, you know, or they have addictions or toxic relationships with their family members and are running away from that. You're just saying, let me just go set another family. Let me go set up my own. So you have not dealt with the toxicity of your family or anything. You're running away from it. Or you have unhealthy behaviors and they feel like if they just find the right right person, things will eventually work themselves out. You're looking for a savior. And it's just not for women. I've met men who marry feeling that they will be sorted if they get a certain woman, a certain kind of a woman. They're ignoring their close friend to go for that one. They think will sort them out. Do you know such people? Do you think it has crossed your mind? This one will sort me out. Uh, you people didn't think like that. But this is far from true. So in Finders, uh, the book Finders Keepers, uh, and I'll read uh, an extract from it, uh, the book that Pastor M has written, I think it's Pastor Caro, it says, a relationship only compounds the state it found you in. If you are lonely, you will marry another lonely person. And each of you will demand that the other provide companionship Partnership that they are incapable of giving. That's why they got married in the first place. If you're broken, you marry another broken person. And each will demand that the other heal them first. So you're entering it for your own good. Unhealthy people attract other unhealthy people with complementary dysfunctions. Let me tell you the first time I heard that it was Oprah. He said you attract who you are. I was very annoyed. Very annoyed with that statement. Truly. I was like, I'll I switch off. I'll never watch your prayer again. But it was the truth. You are, most times you attract who you are. You know, for example, people with addictions tend to be attracted to people who are codependent, saviors. Meaning you are addicted to saving people. People have a need to be needed. And the worst thing is your spouse will not be able to heal you, but they may actually oppose your healing when it starts to happen. Because you re- you're remaining as you are is what meets their needs. Two very dependent people, each working hard to ensure that their partner never becomes healed because then their need might not be met. Actually, the interesting thing, this was part of my problem with my marriage. We were two broken people. And I remember when my ex-husband got violent, he just kept on saying, you have become happy and religious. And it's just a time in my life, I just decided I don't like who I am. I didn't want to be this person. So I started thinking, what did I want? So I I think I did change. Like I started working on self. And so I think, uh, and I'll come to that point later, is where you leave your partner behind. Like you start working on yourself, but you got connected on your brokenness. The interesting thing, many people get married without knowing that they are broken. You see why we keep insisting, even when you're married, this summons us for you. Because you don't know whether you're broken. So, us guys didn't know we were broken, but I thought about those words for years, and I did a bit of, as usual, reading, researching, talking, and I realized, as I got to know, I was a broken person, attracted to a broken person. Then when I got enlightenment, I started seeking healing for myself, as I started doing things differently, we were not relating, it was like, who are you? I even remember clearly, the first time I went to the counselor, he said, she's changing, I mean, I haven't changed. Later in years, I thought that is so true. He wasn't changing, but I was. So broken people attract. Don't go to tell yourself you need to be fixed by someone else. You will not be fixed. If married, do the self work. And then do the self work. Even then, the, this sermon series. When you look inward, don't leave your partner behind. Commit to grow together. Share the things that you are doing as takeout. Personal takeouts here. They may not even be a problem in your marriage, but you're like, let me talk about this. But then do not just do it by yourself. Then go sort it out in your head and such. Commit to grow together. Bring your partner in. So do the self-work and commit to do what? Grow together. Getting married to fix yourself is a terrible reason to get married. And I said, as sometimes you don't know, but today everyone here knows. It's a terrible reason. Do the work when single to first know who you are, your area of brokenness, because you won't be perfect. But self-awareness goes a long way in making the right choice. You can work on it, communicate it, not make decisions based on a broken place, but from an informed, healing, healed place. Find wholeness in yourself. Now, wholeness is not perfection. I like saying that. When I say find wholeness, I'm not saying you'll be perfect. But it's becoming aware of what, who you really are. It's actually that, just becoming self-aware. I know it. I've, I have understood myself. I know why I'm broken. I know what I need to do. Something I can't change. I need this help. And seeking it. That's becoming wholeness. None of us will ever be perfect. When married, do individual and couple counseling to check in. Some of the issues are individual brokenness and not necessarily the marriage being broken. As I said, you probably didn't know you got married to fix yourself. So do the work. Do personal. So terrible reason number four was what? Yeah, don't get married to fix yourself. Terrible reason number five to fix your relationship. Many people seem to think that something magical happens. When you get married, and all the fights and toxic cycles of behavior disappear. All those patterns you are seeing when you're dating, somehow we, came to, we tell ourselves, when you get married, it will disappear. It will fix our mind. What we need is to actually commit. So it's not that we are working on these changes, you have accepted them, but if we get married, that license. sense has magic that will allow us to be to be okay. It's truly misguided. Marriage has a strange way of amplifying all the facets of your relationship. If you truly respect each other when you're dating, you will really respect each other when you're married. I mean, it can only grow. It can only but it's also true of the problems in your relationship. If you're a bad communicator, and every time you sit there, and every time you talk to other guys, you're just like, he's a bad communicator, she's a bad communicator. But you guys are not working to change that. But then you decide to get married is what will change it. Maybe we're in the same house. Eh? If are in the same house, we'll communicate better. It even gets worse. Now nail by mouth goes another level. Eh? People, they create caves. For real. That is part of my story, by the way. Which is in my second book, if it ever comes out. Hallelujah. Huh? Miscommunication will always get worse. If your partner doesn't respect you when you're dating. You know, in Doha, we like saying, you'd rather break up when you are doing Doha than encourage you to go ahead and get married. It's you We actually say it. In fact, when people break up during door, we are like, "Okay, now come and do the work individually." So people end up sometimes going to connect, and I know a couple that did, but it took a year or two of them going to seek and do other work for themselves, in themselves. If they are aloof, treating you badly now, I guarantee you, they will treat you badly when you're married. If they are kind, they will be kind. It will just exceed. Basically, marriage often just amplifies what's already there. See see, you met each other in 36. I to 36, I'm at 32. Menu. So you're not changing the person. So they're already who they are. So getting married to fix your relationship is a terrible reason to get? Is a terrible reason to get? That's right. That one, Kwanzaa, I I just feel it. Because it happens all the time. It happens all the time. I even tell guys who are dating and they have a child. This is me. I don't know. But because of what I've seen and what I've learned. If you have a child and you're not yet married, don't get married for that child. You must want to get married beyond that child. Don't get it to fix your yourself, or the situation, or to fix the relationship. Alright, let's get to some good news. Hallelujah. Today I've depressed people. Now, if these are the five terrible reasons why people get married, we are going to see what are the correct reasons for getting married. And they are found in the word of God. Yanni, thank God for the word? I always wonder, people who do relationships are married without Jesus. And they expect to thrive. Ish. Lord, have mercy. Genesis 1, uh, verse 27, 28. And I'll also read Genesis chapter 2, verse 20, 25. So the first one to, uh, chapter 1, 27, 28 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Uh, chapter 2, verse 20 says, So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall in a deep sleep. And he will, when, while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Father, I want to ask that this word may be true in our lives, that even as we share these three reasons found in your word why we should get married, for any marriage that needs to, have, uh, to evaluate and to create a new foundation, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to the couples, for any single o Jehovah God, that they need to share this not only for themselves but for others. Ask, the Holy Spirit, that your presence, that your conviction will be with us, O God, May we receive this word knowing that it is good and pleasing to you to live out your word and to live it and to obey it. And it's not just based on, uh, it's not based on feelings, it's based on your principles, on the laws that you have set forth for your people to live thriving and abundant life here on earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So three biblical reasons for marriage. The three eyes. Number one, Intent. Somebody say, intent. The creator of marriage had a clear intent in mind. God had given a clear job description to humanity after he created the first human, which had, which had to do with them exercising God's influence or rule over the world on behalf of the creator. But then we, when we hear that big, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. The problem with man's, you see, the, we see the problems with a man's aloneness or not a relationship, relation loneliness, but rather a lack of mission or companionship. This one, I even put it in red. You see, when you hear this sentence, and please remember this, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Did you hear God saying Adam was lonely? Has God said Adam was lonely? No suitable helper? No suitable helper was found. So, this was not about aloneness or lonely. It was not about relationship being lonely, relational loneliness. But rather a lack of missional companionship. Somebody say, missional companionship. Marriage was not about to take away your loneliness. That is not why Sanji's like, true. <laughs> I'm muted. No, you have to hear. It was not about you being lonely. Let me read that sentence again. The problem with the man's aloneness was not a relational loneliness, but rather a lack of missional companionship. Because the Lord's word says, but for Adam, no suitable helper was. The task was just too great to be achieved by one person. That's what the Lord saw. The task was just too great to be achieved by one. So the Bible teaches us that we were each created for unique purposeness, for a unique purpose. And this purpose was created even before you were born, even before you were created, before you landed here, your purpose already existed. Man or woman, your purpose already existed. That is the truth. Ephesians 2, says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. For us did not say the man or the woman. It said for us. Are we in agreement? That we are all created with a with a purpose. So the important thing, the most important thing you can do with your life is to discover and pursue God's purpose for creating you. Now, before you even get to decide uh, I'm marrying for faith and value. I will date in isolation. I will, not date, I will not date in isolation. Before you do all those things we said in first, second sermon, that are good when you start dating, you must first find your purpose. You must ask the Lord, why did you create me? And if or when you get married, you want your spouse to be the destiny helper who will help you achieve God's purpose, then you want you yourself to be a destiny helper. Sindio, see if you need a destiny helper, so it means we were supposed to be mutually destiny helpers, because each one of us was created with a, with a purpose. The worst relationship sisters is not single and lonely, but th- rather being married to a spouse who not only don't understand, who not only does not understand, but also actively sabotages your purpose. I'm telling you, that's the worst. Being single and lonely is not a problem. You marry someone who does not understand your purpose, what you are called for, and actively sabotages your purpose. Actively sabotages your purpose. But my heart said so. Remember first uh, someone? The heart. Eh, Rosalind, you followed my heart. Eh? And then you find out along the way you are seeking God, you find your purpose. Your great worship but your spouse is like, at 8 a.m. I don't know why you have to go that time. Where do you have to go? And who says you have to sing every Sunday? I mean, and yet that's why you know that the Lord has gifted you in. Do you see what I'm saying? In the online course of Pastor Caro and Pastor Muradhi, and money, they talk about how it helps you to discover your joint purpose so that you know what to do with your resources. You discover why did God put you together And then when you know why God put you, then he knows why you blessed you with the resources that you have. So you see, God put you together to do something great. Something bigger than just the two of you. Yesterday, Papa Days and Pastor Jane had, you know, they're doing the ministry uh, Divine Care. And they had their first fellowship yesterday. Their first fellowship. Did did Papa Dez see how they met? I hope he shares next week somewhere. They were both serving in the Mavuno kids, if I'm not wrong. I do remember them being teachers there. Pastor Jani has always had a heart for children, so has uh, Papa Dez. So yesterday they had divine care. Their first fellowship preacher here was awesome. Annie, Pastor was just sent me messages. Oh my God, it's happening! It's happening! I was just sending us messages. Eh, uh, four more, and then we are uko in the River Machakos County, and it's happening in Nairobi. But that's what I'm talking about. Papa Days, as he shared last week, entered into this divine care. Caring for people who are divorced and separated. But if Pastor Jane had not had a heart of understanding we are on the same, we are together. And then within that divine care, Jane also gets to care for the children of these people who are separated and divorced. She actually also gets to thrive in her area of papa's. But we, before we go to the kids, pa- Papa Days was already going ahead. I'm telling you, when I've sat in there, I've been honored to sit in a few meetings to hear them. Yani their passion, it is one mind. They live, and it's beyond them, by the way. It's not their job. It's, it takes a lot. I even see it. Even I fear entering, engaging, because it's such great commitment. And we celebrate you, Papa Dez and Pastor It wasn't there. Please celebrate them. (laughs) Sincerely, it's a ministry that is required. But isn't it beautiful when you can serve the Lord together? Isn't it beautiful? It is beautiful. So when you fail to understand that, then you become self-centered. When you fail to understand that you are created to be in purpose together, that you are getting married not because you are lonely. What the Lord intended was for us to achieve his purpose on earth and he gave each one of us if you don't identify it or you don't come together, you end up self-centered people, self-absorbed. Your marriage becomes about your happiness and your, when your spouse is not contributing to your happiness, then you're enemies. It's always about what can I get? What can I get? We're to on a blueprint. So reason number one for marriage is intent to fulfill God's purpose. Somebody say Amen. Somebody say, I will live to fulfill God's purpose. I will live to fulfill God's purpose in my relationship or without a relationship. In my marriage or even as a single person. Amen? May that be your prayer, people. Reason number two why we must get married. Intimacy. Mm. Intimacy is the second reason why we get married. According to God's word. Adam exclaimed, exclaimed, "This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh." I don't know why we didn't choose songs of Solomon. I like it uh, for this part. Uh. And then we read that the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no they felt no shame. God created marital and sexual love between the man and the woman. It was entirely his idea. In fact, the man was not even consulted. He was not even He was not even consulted. He was deep asleep. That a decision was made. This is part of marriage. This is part of being a union. As you achieve God's purpose, I also want to bless you guys. Because it's a blessing. We often seem to think that sex is something ungodly. And that's why I'm saying it's actually from God. God is not anti-sex. He's not anti-intimacy. Now, when when we talk about intimacy, it's just not about sex. It's about love languages. Do you know you, you can create intimacy in, in many ways? If you have understood your partner's love language, it creates intimacy. Is it holding hands? What's their love language? Is it sitting on the same couch, touch? Spending time? Quality time. Let me even quantify that. Quality time, not just spending time. You can be spending time, and one person is on the phone from morning to evening. And then you tell the but we were together. God wrote the original love story. Rom-coms are not for Jennifer Aniston and the likes. They came from Jesus. They came from God. So it's not a Hollywood rom-com. This Valentine, we have enjoyed one or two Valentine blues. We're watching one, day, you know, one or two love stories, but that's not it. I was about to share which one I watched. Then I thought, "Hey, Sir Benson, my Sharia may sell me a note, Pastor." Another <laughs> one, not that bad. So this is not just about boy meets girls, sparks fly, and they live happily ever after. It goes much deeper than that. The writer of the New Testament, <laughs> Brother Nick, say, "I heard you, bro." letter to the Ephesians, quoted our passage today and then showed us what it's really about. Ephesians 5, verse 31 to 36 says, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Before I even expound this sermon, do you get this uh, passage? There's another passage it talks about your body is not yours, yours. When I So you see, the Lord had a plan with all this marriage business and intimacy. Human marriage was given to us as a physical symbol of the intimacy between Jesus and the church. Somebody say, intimacy is deep. Intimacy is? It's not a rom-com. It's not a what? So what is intimacy supposed to be like? Ephesians 5 talks about husband loving their wives like Christ loved the church. Even to the point of giving his, his life up for her. Hallelujah. And all the wives said. Amen. Husbands, intimacy is not just about sex. It's about dying for your wife. We do understand it's a primal need. We do. But the word says, is that a, it's about dying for you. It's about dying for your wife. We pray that your wife understands it. You see marriage seminar? Let me come back. You need to constantly put your wife's needs before yours so much so that anyone watching says, now I understand just how much Jesus loves us. Now I understand just how much Jesus loves wives. Ephesians 5 also tells you, wives submitted to their husband as the church submits to Christ. Wives' intimacy is not just about romance. Isn't that stuff about romance? And all the men say it? Eh. Yeah. Hey. What's a pressure? Yeah. You know, many wives, let me just say, many wives, even single women, you think you're going to have uh, you want a romantic marriage. Hakuna <laughs> <laughs> romantic marriage. You cannot romanticize your marriage. But there's romance in There is romance in marriage, but you cannot found your marriage on romance. It will not stand. It will not It will not stand. (laughs) It's about submitting to your husband as your spiritual leader. Now remember the things we said before. If you are not of the same faith and value, who are you submitting to? are you submitting to? Intimacy is about submitting to your husband as your spiritual leader. And I did say it then that man's role is to submit to God. So if you marry a man who's not submitted to the Lord, you do not submit to him because he's brighter or clever or better than you. I listened in one of my researches as I continue to learn. One of the, there's a couple really teach about marriages. And the guy keeps saying in his research, he's realized women are brighter. There's a way they are sharper, faster in these things. They say it. I repeat it. <laughs> I mean, he was saying it. He was just saying because we can have multiple things. We are thinking about many things at the same time. So we kind of look like we are always on the go and doing things. But the Lord is saying, You're not that good. It's not about what you know. You will submit to your man and then ask the Lord, You go pray for yourself. You work on yourself as you pray for them, isn't it? So if it's patience you need, I tell couples when it's the stronger woman, before you reply, count to 10. If you know you're going to have a big conversation, get a big glass of water, start sipping it. So as you think through your thoughts, true story, you can damage your relationship and your great idea and great thought disappears because you are just like, come on, dude. I know this better. Sip your water, women. Sip your, then bring your point across. It's not marriage. Remind me, it's not a seminar. It's about submitting to your husband as your spiritual Leader, not because it's brighter, as I said, but because God's intention is that anyone watching in you needs to see that this is what it means to submit to Jesus. The next generation is like, okay, we have great models who are telling us this is how we need to submit, and this is what the Lord meant. I think one of the big things about this was that always strikes me is that intimacy, love is just about sacrificial. It's very, very selfless. It is what? It's really sacrificial. And I pray this week you will see your spouse and choose to be sacrificial in how you treat them, in how you connect. Submit your feelings to God, husband, wife, those ones who are dating. Learn to, even when you're single, learn to submit your emotions to God. If you learn them when you're single, by the way, if you learn to manage your emotions and submit your emotions to God before you get married, and how you exercise them is the office, your family member, your friends, you're not always reacting. It's not always your feelings are ruling you. I'm telling you, your marriage will be sweeter for it. Submit your feelings too. Let's get back to intimacy. Intimacy reflects God's Intimacy reflects whose love? God's love. And let me just add, it's sacrificial. The third purpose for marriage is increase. Is to increase. Our passage tells us, the one we read before, that humans were created as male and female so that they could be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. God created marriage as a vehicle through which humans would produce, protect, and nurture the next generation. There's a responsibility here for your marriage. Huge responsibility. The next generation depends on how you live out your marriage. The next generation depends on who you decide to get married to. Who you choose to get married to. Remember, I say feelings do not determine uh, who you get married to. It's a choice. So it's who you choose to get married to. So the next generation is looking up to it. The prophet Malachi talked about why God was angry at the married men in Israel who were having our affairs. It says in Malachi chapter 2, verse 15 Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. Somebody say godly offspring. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. I'm thinking in Malachi times, maybe the wives were not unfaithful. But it's gotten worse. Wives are un- we are unfaithful. Wives can be unfaithful too. So it's just not about the wife, the husband. It's just, and then it's not just about producing children. So you're not together just to produce children, name my dad, then my mom, which Gukan is to be named, which uh, I have grown up knowing I want to call my child Jade. Anybody, anybody? You know? So you're just like waiting. That's why you want to get married. Right? It's just not about that. It's not about producing children. Anyone can do that. But if you're submitted to God and you want to do it God's way, it's about producing godly children. And we did learn that in October. When you're doing the parenting series, every marriage should create a conducive enmar- environment to bring up godly. Whether you're able to have biological children or you choose to have adopted children, your role is always to bring up godly children. Now you can only bring up godly children if you yourself are submitted to who? Yeah, you're growing in the ways of the Lord. No, know, some of us, there were some years who would drive our children. We understood a bit of it. Then sleep in the car, put an alarm to wake up to because I was in choices until a certain hour. Then I dropped them in church, put an alarm, 5-2, then I'm ready to receive them. I was doing my part, I'm taking them to church. But at home, I guess, probably was modeling a different story. So, which is equally important, by the way, let me add, for every couple also to have spiritual children. Just don't think about your biological adopted. Think about, it's a mandate, spiritual children. Who are you mentoring? We talked about mentoring the last time. Who are, is the next generation is under you that you're working with? So, your marriage is the biggest signpost towards God that your children will ever have. Somebody say amen. It's true. This means that your happiness is not the first priority when it comes to marriage. We already said that. So ask yourself, are you too busy working to spend time with your kids? Thinking that because I need to provide for them to go in certain schools, certain spaces, and which is good, but don't compromise your time with them for just being busy. Are you so caught up in your happiness that you are walk, walking away from your marriage and hoping that your kids will be fine as you co-parent? Are you quickly... Are you, do you quickly throw away your marriage? And I know that is sensitive. Many people today say the only reason our parents stayed in their marriage was the children. Now, that is... People stay... It's not really a good marriage, but it's a valid reason. I mean, to some degree, it's a valid uh, valid reason for people to stay together but also let me see it's to some degree because there are environments you can see create saying you're doing it for the children and we have seen it in therapy but the home is not conducive remember i said it needs to be conducive the drama the violence the abuse that is not a conducive home so bring up children's God's way is costly and a sacrificial act. And the objective is to raise up godly adults who are actively pursuing their God given purpose in our, in our world. Now, for single parents, I know when, when this topic is sometimes talked about, I remember even I used to be like, now, us guys, are we doing it right? I mean, I'm a single mom, but the Lord is gracious and merciful. You as the parent who is pursuing God, you're enough. Remember, you also said you're in a village, you're in community. So who are you surrounding your children with? Which marriages are they involved? What are they seeing? This this still expectation is yours as a single parent. Even who will be single and said, I want to adopt. It's still an expectation, an intention, and a desire of the Lord for you to raise godly, no matter the relationships status, Remember, we're also saying there's spiritual children, right? So ask yourself, are you modeling God to anyone? Are you modeling God to the next generation? Are you modeling God to the next? The next generation? Or is it just about you and your happiness? Hmm? Josephine, do your children know that you love Jesus Christ? Do they see you praying? How many of your children know that you wake up at 4:30 to pray? Whether they join you is another story. Mine always tells me, and he wakes up, tells me one day, and I say it's okay, your time will come. Do they know what you do, how you spend time, how committed you are to God, or is that a secret that you keep to yourself and say they are too young? Expose God to your children. Raise godly? Yeah. So there are three reasons why we have to get married. The three main reasons intent, intimacy, and increase. Intent, if you forget anything else, intent. It's talking about purpose and missional, being missional together. Intimacy reflects God's love. So every time you ask, am I reflecting God's love? Is it sacrificial? Is it submissive? Increase. Are we raising godly children? Am I raising godly children? Whether biological or adopted or spiritual. If you're here and you're listening and your spouse is not here, I said desire and commit to grow together. If they are not going to listen, play the sermon. Let it ring in the house. But commit to grow together. Don't don't grow alone. It really, really has started scaring me how many people work on themselves and leave their spouses behind. It's also showing me the gaps that are there in marriages. So the marriage is good but not great. You're not thriving. So singles, three reasons to get married. Intent, intimacy, and increase. As you can see, rom-com, we to danganya. We have been lied to. So let's just keep enjoying it as entertainment if you have to. But it's completely different from what God desires for us. So next week, Papa Days will be sharing the last sermon for this series. And we'll be talking about um, a truth about revolutionizing our view of marriage. Me, I'm looking forward to receive then. But guys, I want to take a minute and ask yourself, what did you hear today? What is the one area? Let me see. Please do not be in places where the Lord has allowed you to be. The Lord is with us everywhere. But there's a blessing when we do something that the Lord has commanded us to do. And coming to church and fellowship together is a place of blessing. So the Lord is here. And you're saying in this one thing, I might need to work a bit more. Or, I know John and Mary. Lord, give me courage to go and say, let's have this conversation. I have seen your marriage and I love you guys. Listen to this podcast. You have a girlfriend, a friend, the friend-zoned one, hallelujah. Brenda has friend-zoned a few. Ask yourself, who do you need to share it with? Before I pray, I just want you to pray for yourself. Pray about your relationship status right now. According to what I've shared, does it need purpose? Does it need purpose? Is it intimacy that we need to grow in? If you're single, you're asking yourself, do I know my purpose? Do I know my purpose? Where do I start? Start by serving. Come and say, I want to serve. Intimacy. You're single and you're saying, I've understood God's love. It must reflect God's love. So, Lord, help me to stay pure. Is purity, a struggle. What is the area? Area, these three. You're married and you're saying, I've been just looking at my wife, I'm like, I don't know who I married. Do you need to sacrificially love her? Do you need to love her beyond your feelings? Submit your emotions. Submit your feelings to God. you need to be submissive wife? You're single and you're saying, I'm a strong chick, I've been, you know, but then you're saying, I desire to get married. And even beyond getting married, being submissive is, I won't submit. Teach me, Lord, what submission looks like. I want to give you guys one minute and finish by, if it's increased. I have no spiritual child. There's no one who I say I walk with. Mm -hmm. Just pray for yourself. Invite the Lord in your space. Mm -hmm. Joanne, you are raising beautiful, wonderful children. Amazing. You. Will these girls grow up knowing what it looks like to submit to their to their husband? Father, I want to thank you this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercies. It is so fresh and new every day. And what a privilege and just a gift to know that we can come before you day after day. Seeking your intervention, seeking your strength, seeking you to guide us. It is in your word that you are for us. You are for us. And so, Father, I speak to every single person in this room. Everyone who will listen to this podcast and they are single. That, Father, they will desire to have relationships that are godly. Relationship that are aligned to your word of how you meant for relationships to be. Any area that they need to work on, oh Jehovah God, if they need help, they will seek it. If they need accountability, they will seek it. Father, I pray that we shall grow in these ways. I pray for every married couple, Lord, that they will commit to grow together. They will commit to see themselves and each other the way, God, you see their spouses. That they will look at their spouse with sacrificial love. Wives will submit. That, Father, Lord, they will desire to be missional couples. Father, we will have many missional couples. Father, may your wisdom prevail. May the idea land in couples' heads now that are seeking to know why, why did we get married? Beyond our selfish needs. Thank you for your word this morning, Papa. Thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love. That every day you say we can start right now when we hear your word. There's no condemnation in you. It's never too late. It's never too late. Right now we can make a different choice, we can make a different decision. So, Father, we bless your name and we thank you for the word. We thank you that it's going to be alive in us. That people will see the marriages and relationship in these places. In our Mabuno South and say that surely there's a Lord. We speak you to the next generation because we have heard this word. And for everyone who hears it. Father, your will will prevail. Thy kingdom will come. So we bless you, Father. We honor you. We glorify your name and we receive this word lord knowing that the lord the holy spirit has cemented it in our spirit and we shall live it out in jesus name we pray yeah and everybody said amen